small group leaders and an elder here at Shiloh. And today we are starting a new series called Straight from the Heart. And we're going to be talking about our heart issues and things that we have in our heart and how we work them out in our daily walk, our Christian walk. So we're going to cover things like the will of God, fear, anxiety, confidence, a lot of these things that we will just take a deep dive into our heart. But today we're going to start with talking about words and the power of words. Have you guys ever thought about how weird it is? Words, they're weird. If you think about it, we have 26 little squiggly lines called letters. And we just draw them and they don't mean anything. But you draw them a certain way and if you put enough of them together, it makes a word. And that word can be used to give an instruction or ask a question, um, give direction, evoke an emotion. That word oftentimes has a picture tied to it. Just these, just these little letters random. It's not weird. I don't know, maybe I'm the only one. I think it's weird. But to give you an example, so I want to show you five letters together. So, well, this is the first word. Right? So how many of you guys had a picture when that came up? You picture the, the red suit, the beard, the whole, the whole thing, right? Those five little letters gave you a picture. It's pretty powerful. Let me change two of them around, right? You get a little different picture. Isn't that weird? Come on, that's just so strange. But it's powerful. And the Bible has a lot to say about our words and the power of the tongue. How many of you guys can remember... A time in your life when somebody spoke something to you, either positively or negatively, and it had a huge impact, and you still remember it to this day. Anybody? Yeah, there's times in our lives, whether it's from childhood or just last week, somebody spoke something, and you still remember that to this day because it's had an impact on you. And I think we could all probably come up with examples that we've used when we've used our words to build people up or to tear them down. We've all, we've all had that experience. And I don't think anybody here would argue with me probably that there's power in our words. We would all acknowledge that. And I thought that, you know, that's what I was going to talk about today, and I am. But I want to take a different angle first. I want to come at it from a a different aspect. So if you have your Bibles and you want to look up Luke 6.45, this is our, our key scripture for today. So Luke 6.45. It says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So in preparing for for this sermon, um, a lot of times I'll start weeks in advance and I just start talking to God and say, Hey, you know, God, what what do you want to teach me and what do you want me to convey? So it starts starts with me. So I've been reviewing and doing kind of an analysis of, of the words that I use in the things that I say, the way that I respond to situations and respond to people. And I've been thinking about it in the car. And at night, I've just kind of had this daily review of how I've done and what I've said. <laughs> and it was honestly a, a little disappointing um, because it's interesting when you take a look back. There's a lot of things that later on that you look at you thought were probably okay in the moment. And then later on, they're not. Um, so... Yeah, it was, it was powerful for me and um, things that I don't even remember saying until I look at it. And sometimes I'm looking at it from a different perspective. But I got my real lesson in how this is working into my heart two Fridays ago. We were redoing a kitchen. 
So I was working in the kitchen and I took out all the cabinets and I got them all out of the kitchen and then we're changing out the floor. So I had to take out the floor. So I had to rip up the plywood and the linoleum and the guy that put it in, if we could have a chat today, some of the words I'd used, I think he got a nail gun for Christmas. And he's used so many nails. Like every three inches he put a nail and I, I don't know what he was doing. And then three inches across was a row of another nails. And so many nails. And I was so agitated with this. I could say a guy. It probably was a guy. I'll, I'll go there. It's a guy. And I was so agitated with him because I couldn't get the floor up unless I cut it into foot 12-inch squares. And I'm reefing on it. And what should have been an hour was a four-hour project. And I was frustrated. I was mad at this guy. And I had a heap of boards in the middle of the kitchen. And a song came on my phone. And I wanted to change the song. All day long, I had been going out around the kitchen to go to the dining room with whatever we needed. But this, I wanted to change the song because I didn't like it. And I was tired. And so instead of going around, I went through the kitchen. And I lost my balance. And I went and I stepped on one of these three-inch nails, but I didn't have anything to block my fall. So all my weight went on it, and I went through my shoe and into my foot and deep into my foot. Now, if you've had an infant, when an infant gets hurt, their mouth opens and they turn bright red and purple, but nothing comes out right away, right? And it's like, I I was doing that, and then all of a sudden, I stood up and I pulled the board out, and I let it rip. You son of a... And I strung them all together, all the words that I can't say in church. And I had, I had the top 10, the top 10 list. And I did it very artfully. It just flowed. And it made me feel good because it hurt. So my wife is a nurse, and I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to take my shoe off and take my sock off. I'm supposed to wash it with soap and water. I'm supposed to dry it. I'm supposed to put back tracing on it, put a Band-Aid on it, and I should put some ice on it. But my wife wasn't there. So like any other stubborn, pig-headed guy, I didn't do any of that, and I'm paying for it now. But I just went ahead and kept working, and I kept doing my thing. And I get my composure together. I've got it. And I don't know how God talks to you, but when God talks to me, Sometimes it's just so clear because it's not me. And I heard clearly, so. That was a pretty impressive little string of words you put together one after the other, wasn't it? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he's all, where'd that come from? Like, those are my words that I say when darn it just doesn't do good enough justice. And I know, I know, it was wrong, God, I'm sorry. And he's like, yeah, so that came from your heart. So, what else is in your heart? And I started to think about that. What really is in my heart? You know, where did that come from? Some of those words, since my kids have moved out, I, I did really good. I, I didn't use those words. They were gone from my life. But since they've moved out, some of them have come back in. And I had to say, if that's in there, what else is in my heart? And when I compare some of the conversations that I've had And I compare them to what the Bible says, like in Ephesians 4.29, it says this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. In Colossians 4.6, it says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. 
And I realized that, well, sometimes I do this really well. There's another part of me and there's another part of my heart that's got some sludge in it that doesn't do so well. Do I have to work at it to have good things come out of my mouth or do they come out naturally? And if my speech is a reflection of my heart, then I've got to do some house cleaning. The first thing I realized is if I don't protect my heart, then I'm allowing everything in. And if I allow everything in, guaranteed it will find a place to park itself. And it will make itself out in my speech eventually. Do you know where most of your heart pollution comes from? It comes from the enemy. It's one of his greatest tools. The enemy loves to speak to your heart by writing a narrative And he loves to condemn you and tell you lies about yourself. So let me ask you a question. What's the inner dialogue that's going on in your head? We all have one. We all have a tape that plays about ourself. And is your tape a positive tape? Or is it negative? You know, is your your inner dialogue saying things like, I'm not a good mom. I'm not a good dad. I'll never get ahead. I'm just average. I'm not smart enough. I'm lazy. Or I can never overcome this habit or this addiction that I have. I'm just not good enough for that. I'm a failure. I'm not fill in the blank, right? This dialogue that we have going, it is powerful. And we can never underestimate the power that it has and the damage that it can do. Because you see, when we're full of negativity, when we're full of cynicism, when we're angry or we have shame or we have guilt in our lives, there's a form of that which will make it out of our mouth in one form or another. Our inner self is going to try to compensate for that by tearing somebody else down to make you feel better about yourself because we judge others most harshly in the areas that we lack the most. If you don't think this is true, let me just give you an example. Social media today and regular media It's not about just critiquing somebody anymore. It's about destroying them. What you see people post on social media, what they write, what they use their words for, they destroy people. The media doesn't just give news. They destroy people. And if you think about that, those words that came out, what's in their heart? That came from the heart. Where does it come from? So Pastor Craig Rochelle said this. He said, our lives... Move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Let me say that again because that's really, really powerful. Our lives move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So are you excited about the direction that your thoughts take you? Or are they negative and a downer? Your inner dialogue, it matters. It matters. Is it dominated by Christ-directed thoughts or is it negative and cynical-based thoughts? Proverbs 4.20 says this. It says, Turn your ears to my words and keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity and keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Guarding your heart is like a firewall. So y'all, if you have internet, you probably have a firewall. I'm a geek, so I like stuff like this. And a firewall is designed to keep everything from the outside from getting in. 
So I can look at my firewall during the day and I can see all these people have compounding at the ports, knocking at the ports to see if there's any ports open that they can slide through and put a virus, put a Trojan, do whatever they want to me. And I liken our lives to a firewall that if we don't have a firewall, everything comes in. But when we have a firewall, the only thing that comes in is what I allow to come in. If I go to a website and I click on that, the firewall goes, oh, you must be interested in that. I'll allow that in. Or if I listen to something, it just allows in what I want to let in. But when it's wide open, all that stuff just comes flowing in. And our ports and our firewall, those doors, are what we watch, what we listen to, the conversations that we participate in, where we go, who we hang with. Those are all the ports allowing things into our lives. And if you don't think that they matter, you're wrong because this is the main method that the enemy gets to your heart. Let me give you an example. Remember King David? So King David, one night he can't sleep. So he goes out on his balcony and he's looking out and he sees a woman, Bathsheba, taking a bath and she's naked. So he doesn't guard his heart. He watches her. That goes into his heart and later on his heart throws it up in his mind and he's thinking about that and he's ruminating on it and it comes out in words and he says to somebody, tell me about her. Who is that? And they tell him about her, and he's thinking about it some more. Coming up, go bring her here. So they bring her here, and he has an affair with her. He commits adultery with her. And later on, she gets, he gets a note from her. Oh, by the way, I'm pregnant. Oh, my gosh, now what? So David finds out who her husband is. It's Uriah. He's serving in the army. So he invites Uriah over, and he's like, hey, Uriah, how you doing? How's the war going? Small talk, etc. He says, I want to give you the night off. You know, go home. Go home to your wife. And, and by the way, here's a gift. And he sends Uriah off to sleep with his wife because he thinks if he sleeps with his wife, it'll cover for his sin. Uriah doesn't go home. He goes with the soldier. He's a dedicated soldier, so he sleeps with the soldiers. The next day, David gets word that Uriah didn't go home. So he invites Uriah up again. Hey, Uriah, come on, stay for dinner. Has him for dinner, gets him all good and drunk. Uriah, go home, go home, have the night off, go see your wife. Uriah doesn't go home. He stays with the soldiers again. So the next day, David says to the man who leading the army, he says, put Uriah up front so that he will be killed. And he does. He puts him up front. Uriah is killed. Words that will come back to haunt David. All because he didn't guard his heart. It started so simply, but he didn't guard his heart. You see, our hearts, they're naturally deceitful. A couple weeks ago, I spoke about this, and Jeremiah was the one who called it out. He said in Jeremiah 17, 9, he said, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Left unattended, our hearts are deceitful. That's why we have to protect them. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought. Capture that rebellious thought. Why? We do it to protect the heart. In Romans 12.2, it talks about transforming your, renewing your mind and transforming it. We're going to talk a lot about that over the next coming weeks. But you might be saying, you know what, so what? I hear what you're saying. It, it makes sense, I guess. But what's the big deal? 
and everything in my Christian walk has to pass that so what test. So what? What's the big deal? And the thing about it is there's an awesome blessing that comes as a result of protecting your heart. And I'll tell you what it is. The awesome blessing is that you have the ability to tap in to the power of Jesus Christ through your thoughts and your words. You see, there's two layers to the world. There's two layers. One's the physical. We're all in it. You all got a job. You got school. You're retired. Whatever you're doing, you're, you're going through life and you're doing it. Struggles. You're overcoming. You're having conversations. Some parts of life is good. Some parts of life isn't so good. It's a challenge. We all do that. We all do that. But as Christians, there's a whole other realm, and that's the spiritual realm. That's the realm where the battle is fought for those souls in the physical realm. You and I, we participate in the spiritual realm. And our weapons aren't normal weapons. Your weapons are powerful. They're so powerful. That's why the Bible has so much to say about it. And your words are one of the most destructive weapons against the enemy that you have. So it only stands to reason that one of the enemy's most powerful weapons that he has is if he can get control of your most powerful weapon is your mind and your thoughts and your words. If he can control you and control what you say and how you speak, he renders you useless in the spiritual realm. Because your words have divine power. I have missed this point. Here I am. I'm, I'm 50-some years old. I'm, okay, 57. But I'm 57 years old, and I've really missed the whole thought that my words are powerful. My words have the ability to stop the enemy in his tracks. My words have the ability, and your words have the ability, to, distort, to demolish a stronghold. Something that the enemy has done to something else. Your words have the power to demolish that. Your words have the ability to empower somebody else to keep going when they want to quit. And to defeat the enemy, your words have the ability to call the enemy out for his lies and for what he says that are absolute lies. Your words have those power. Your words have the power to show somebody else what love looks like, what grace looks like, what mercy looks like. Your words have power. Your words have the power to speak against the enemy, stop him right in his tracks so that he doesn't have power against somebody else. And you have that power through Jesus Christ who rose from the dead who we celebrated last week. He gave you that power. Same power that raised him from the dead is in you, and it's in your words. How we use our words. Isn't that awesome? I think, I think it's awesome. But imagine going to a fire and having a fire hose, and I go to pull it, and all that comes out is sludge. Right? The only way I'm going to fight that fire is if I have Water shooting out, crystal clear water to put a fire out. You've all probably seen the example, I did it last year, but from growing up, of having a pitcher of water and I put some food coloring in it and it turned all black. And that was just the picture of our heart with sin in it. And as I took a pitcher of water and I poured it in, the clear water, it started to flush out the black water and it poured out. And then I poured enough of the clear water and all the black was gone. The only thing coming out of that pitcher of water was clear. And that was from the word of God coming in and what we allow in. If I transform that, if I flush that out, what's going to come out naturally out of my mouth is going to be the power of God's words. The power to speak life into somebody. It will just come naturally because that's what's in my heart. It will be an extension of flowing out. So what does it look like? What do we do with it? The first thing is that we have to watch what we allow inside. 
We have to take captive every thought. And that inner dialogue, that tape that's playing, what's on that tape being played over and over again? I like this in the message version. It's Philippians 4, 8. It says this. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do your best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, and gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. So you might think, I don't think I have an inner dialogue. I don't really, I don't think that I do. I didn't either. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be really transparent. I'm going to tell you what mine, one of mine was. So my wife and my kids and, and the number of people here at Shiloh, they do this New York Times daily mini crossword puzzle. They do it every day, so you're timed, and you do the crossword puzzle, and it puts a leaderboard out there, and you're ranked, and they have a great time with it. And they do it every day, and they've been saying, Dad, you should, you should do that. And I told them, I don't want the stress of it. I don't, I don't want to be timed, all right? That was my answer. But as I thought about this, that really wasn't it. You want to know what the inner dialogue in my head is that the enemy has told me for years and years? You don't have a four-year degree. You're not very smart. You're not cultured. You don't know culture. Holy cow. That's been in there running that tape. That was the reality of it. It's not that I don't like stress. He's been telling me that junk. i got to watch what I say. That junk for years. And that tape is going on. I didn't even really realize it, but it's true. He's told me that there's many things that I'll step back from because I don't want to be exposed because I don't have a four-year degree. I'm not very smart. That's bull. It's bull, and, I, and I'm going I'm to speak against that. I say that's a lie from the enemy. Protect my heart. No, 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 no. You don't have the right to say that to me because it's not true. I'm a child of God. I take that thought captive. So I stole this idea, too, from Craig Rochelle because he starts every day by reading a mantra. He calls it his life mantra. And I thought, that's a really good idea. I want to reprogram my tape. I want to reprogram what I allow in, and I'm going to start every day by reading this mantra. And so I wrote my own, which I'm going to share with you. I am first a Christian. I have committed my life to following Jesus and putting him first. Secondly, I'm a husband. I will pray for my wife, love and esteem her, serve and protect her with all my being. Thirdly, I am a father. I will do my best to be an example of integrity and character to my children and do everything I can to equip them to be Christ followers and servants of others. Lastly, I am a friend. I will serve others in order to help them. I will do my part to help them achieve their goals and to reach their potential. I will love other people and believe the best about them rather than criticize them. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. And I have a purpose every day. God has equipped me for his purposes with talents and abilities, and I will remain focused to give everything I've got towards his goals every day. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me, therefore there is no room for the enemy to reside. I will not listen to his lies or suggestions, and I will take captive every thought and submit it to the obedience of Christ so that I may develop into the person that he wants me to be and speak with the power that he wants to give me. The world will be different and better because I serve Jesus today. That's going to be my mantra. I'm going to start my day with that, 
and I'm going to wash that programming that I've had, and I'm going to clean it out so that what comes naturally out of my heart will be what God has with divine words. So would you stand with me, and we'll close in prayer. Father God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your word. And Lord, you have so much to say about the power of our words, whether we can build up and we can tear down, but it is one of the most powerful weapons that we have against the enemy. So I thank you for that, Lord. I pray for my brothers and sisters here, and for me too, Lord, that you would guide us. Help us to just, Holy Spirit, point out when the enemy's told us a lie, and we've just become so accustomed to believing it, and it's not true. Holy Spirit, equip us with the power to speak against it. Lord, show us how we can use our words to build people up and to stop the enemy in his tracks. Help us to be able to be disciplined to take every thought captive and to turn it over to you, Lord, that you can guide us and direct us and we don't have pollution in our hearts. God, this is what you love to do. You love it when your saints come to you and say, I want to get better. Lord, I want to be an effective tool in your arsenal. I want to operate in the spiritual realm with the power of my words. So I pray, God, that you would equip each one of us today as we leave. Prompt us during this next coming week of how we're using our words. Prompt us about what's in our heart, Lord, that so that we can fill it with the things of you. For this, we thank you, Lord. We give you praise and we give you glory. In your name we pray. Amen. So if you'd like to pray, I'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, have a great day. Enjoy the spring weather. Blessings.